Greg and Dan Show on WMBD. Greg Batten and Dan DiOrio. We talk about a lot of things here on the Greg and Dan Show. Sometimes we get into conversations about climate and weather and things like that. Uh, t- tomorrow at Arbor Hall, that's part of ICC's North Campus, from 6 till 7, this gentleman, Dr. Trent Ford, who is a state climatologist, will be talking about Central Illinois weather, past, present, and future. Dr. Ford, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you all doing? I'm, we're doing well. Uh, wonderful. Thank you. Uh, tell me about what the Illinois Water Survey, you're part of that, but what is that? I don't know what that is. Yeah, so the State Water Survey, uh, so it's been around for over 125 years now, uh, and um, it's a, it has been a, historically a part of the Department of Natural Resources, so sort of a branch of state agency that uh, is really in charge of making sure we have uh, good quality and quantity of water across the state of Illinois. And, and it's kind of weird to think about that. We could you know, have issues with water quality uh, being such a water-rich state, but, of course, that, that does come up. Um, and so a lot of the work we're, we do is, uh, you know, pretty much just through water. From my kind of side of things, the climate of when precipitation and rainfall enters the system, from stream flow, surface water, all the way through groundwater, water quality, water well testing, things like that. And in 2008, the, the water survey was pulled under the, the Prairie Research Institute, uh, which is part of the University of Illinois. It also includes the Archaeological Survey, Geologic Survey, uh, Natural History Survey and Sustainable Technology Center. So it's sort of a powerhouse now, one of one of many surveys to powerhouse the University of Illinois. Well, one of the things you're going to be talking about, you're talking about uh, water, is the sudden uh, volume of water we get sometimes in these storms. It seems like we get more water at once uh, lately than we used to, perhaps. Uh, and that's a concern for everyone. One of the things that I, I think is interesting, I did not know this, I'm well aware of Kickapoo Creek, well aware. I wasn't aware that the watershed that that covers is 400 square miles. Yeah, it is very large, uh, and so it, it it is surprisingly large. And, and a lot of times you think about you know the the, the widest rivers, the widest streams uh, having the largest watershed. That's not necessarily the case, depending on That's you know crazy. the layout of that watershed. Yeah. So what that means is it is it drains a pretty large area, uh, and so when we get these these storms, especially the ones that can be oriented kind of in the the, the same direction as the Kickapoo Creek watershed, it, it can really filter out a lot of water. And this is a concern to farmers, obviously, but really for all of us, I suppose. That's right. Yeah, I mean, when we think about really intense rainfall, which you know the frequency that intense rainfall is increasing all across the state, uh, yeah, what that means for farmers is that uh, you know you have issues with soil erosion, nutrient runoff, which of course is an environmental and economic issue, uh, as well as crop inundation when we have a crop in the ground. And then for for folks who aren't farmers, uh, it can also be water quality problems, but uh, also flooding. And and the interesting thing about intense rainfall is that it's not just flooding in our major streams or rivers, you know, the Illinois River, the Kickapoo Creek. Uh, it, can, it can, you know, we can get flooding in areas that uh, aren't in a, you know, 100 or 500-year floodplain just because uh, that really intense rainfall overwhelms our stormwater drainage systems. You know, uh, we haven't had anyone on in, I bet, 10 years or more who talked about uh, siltation practices. There was, uh, you know, for a long time they were putting up basins on areas that they know where water would flow. Uh, There were farming practices that farmers were putting into place to stop, uh, you know, siltation, runoff. Um, I haven't heard much about those practices these days. Has there been any advancement? 
Yeah, so there's still a lot of work being done to reduce the amount of kind of uh, runoff and sedimentation in our in our rivers and streams. Um, and uh, so, that, yeah, there's still a lot of work and infrastructure being being put in place to try to reduce that um, because that does have lots of problems. Uh, you know, it kind of, um, I don't know, paradoxically or not, it's, you know, when we have the sedimentation that's caused by extreme rainfall, it can actually uh, make us, you know, down the road more vulnerable to drought by reducing the the overall depth of our reservoirs and our, our streams that we pull our water out of. So um, it is definitely a problem, and the Water Survey is, is still doing work uh, both on the kind of science monitoring side as well as the kind of technology development side to to uh, to help reduce that kind of uh, runoff and sedimentation problems. We're talking, we're talking with state climatologist Dr. Trent Ford. He'll be at ICC's North Campus tomorrow, 6 to 7, at Arbor Hall. Uh, it's free, and uh, please go and learn about uh, the impact. Uh, and really, uh, Doctor, without, you know, we've got a couple minutes here, so I, I know this is an hour conversation, but one of the things that you do is you have studied our past and our present uh, uh, weather slash climate and, and uh, using models and, and the scientific research that you do uh, have a feel for future. Um, things have shifted. I know climate's different than weather. I, I know that. But um, it seems, and we have a friend of ours who, uh, Chuck Collins at 25 News, is uh, chief meteorologist over there. He did a, a, a special about a year ago about how our, our seasons have shifted. And, and what we used to predict would happen in March now happens in, um, in maybe in May or maybe happens in February. Uh, can you speak to that for a second? Yeah, so the what, what we're really seeing across the state of Illinois, but, you know, we can be just particularly in the Peoria area, that uh, what we're seeing really is a change in the season. So if you think about the seasons as kind of a pie chart where you got four kind of equal pieces yeah. in Illinois where each of the seasons last about the same length. What we're seeing is an expansion of summer and a kind of a contraction of winter. And so uh, what that does, it means that we are getting to summer earlier in the growing season, summer-like uh, temperatures, maybe in, in, in late May or, or uh, even mid-May in some cases, and we're persisting in those summer temperatures longer. So September in recent decades has acted more like an extension of summer than that of the first month of fall. Right. On the flip side with winter, we're really not getting into our winter weather until uh, you know January, even into February in some cases. Gosh, this winter is a good uh, example of that. Um, and, and we're coming out of winter a little bit uh, uh, earlier as well. So spring and fall really haven't changed all that much. It's kind of shifting, as you mentioned, and Chuck Collins has mentioned before. But that expansion of summer, expansion of the warm season, kind of contraction of the cool season is, is pretty characteristic of climate change yeah. in, in Illinois. Yeah, you know, and I realize there are a lot of impacts with changing seasons like that. But uh, I can't speak for Greg or the rest of the people uh, shorter contracted winters isn't bad to me. <laughs> yeah, I have no problem with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so this is one thing that, yeah, the, 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 the impact of warmer, hotter summers, wetter weather overall certainly creates more societal impacts than, than shorter or more mild winters. I will pick out two quick impacts we do see, though. One is that perennial crops and plants, thinking like orchards, apple orchards, peach orchards, warmer winters uh, can cause those trees to come out of dormancy quicker, which still can put it at, a, at an increased risk of a, of a spring freeze. Got it. So we could see, so that, that is a problem. Also, 
our, our extreme winter temperatures are sometimes the kind of limiter for some invasive or non-native species of plants and animals. Um, for example, the Gulf Coast tick. And with milder winters, we're seeing those, uh, those creatures being able to overwinter farther north, which means that they're able to spread in higher numbers during the summertime. Well, so, uh, so warmer winters, it's, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, wrap that up. Yeah, sure. The warmer winters could, um, uh, you know, have a negative more tick incidents and things yeah. like that in the, in the summertime. Here's, uh, here's something I'm going to get on a t-shirt. Uh, no more Gulf Coast tick. I don't want that. I don't no, want. I don't my, even know anything uh, about that. But it sounds horrible. My uncle moved to St. Pete's and developed a, a Gulf Coast tick. Uh, no, that was a different thing. Yeah. Oh. Hey, Doctor Ford, you're, you're a nice guy. Thank. We got to get you in the studio one of these days and have a, a longer conversation. Uh, yeah, Doctor Trent, Doctor Trent Ford, uh, state climatologist, will be at ICC North tomorrow, six to seven. Uh, while it's there's no ticket needed, they would like to know you're coming. So if you would RSVP, go to friendsofrockyglen.org, or uh, you can find uh, Friends of Rocky Glen on Facebook, and you can tell them that you're going there. Is this something that farmers would find very interesting as you look into the future a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I definitely have agriculture impacts as part of the thing we're going to cover. Um, so, yeah, definitely. It's not just going to be about uh, cities. Uh, we're going to talk about farms as well. It's good to talk to you, Dr. Ford. Have a great day. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, guys.